Welcome to Good Business, a launchpad podcast that goes behind the scenes of entrepreneurs who put people, planet, and profit at the forefront of their mission. Hi, my name's Chris Edwards, and I'm the founder of The Honeycombers, which is a digital media business in Asia, and more recently, the founder of Launchpad, a community of conscious entrepreneurs. I'm super excited to share that this episode was actually recorded live at what is a massive small business retail event in Singapore called the Boutiques Fair. We had a series of chats with founders who are currently scaling conscious and sustainable businesses in Asia, and we've got a lot of learnings to share with you. So let's get into it. I suppose that's one of the reasons I'm so, so happy to talk today about finding your community and why we need it more than ever. And I'm really chuffed that we have three Launchpad members here who are all very wise in the community space. And yeah, I want to dig into it a little more deeply today and help you guys learn as well, just as opposed to the secret source of community and how it can really supercharge your business. So let's get into it. So I might let you guys introduce yourself and maybe Samantha, you might want to go first. Hi, I'm Sam. Two years ago, in fact, two years today, because this is our second birthday, I started a side gig that has turned into this colossal gig called Straight Lights, which is upstairs. I wanted, it was also a bit born in COVID from the relationship that expats had in Singapore. And it had changed during COVID and our feeling of belonging and sense of community had changed. And so this was my antidote to that. And I set up a range of products that celebrate the city, celebrate our belonging to a sense of place how important it is to be part of a community and just why it feels good to to know this is where you are right here, right now and honour that. Beautiful. And Leonard, do you want to share? Hi guys, uh, my name is Leonard and I am the founder and creative designer of uh, Phoenix Wear. Phoenix Wear is a gender fluid Athlo apparel label. What is a uh, an Athlo label is basically a combination of the functionality of athletic wear, but with the comfort of flow of everyday clothing. So I always say clothes can, that can take you from everyday to your next holiday, you know. So very versatile kind of clothes, something like what I'm wearing, you know, something you can go to the beach in. So even like, you know, just, I don't just go for a workout. I may go for brunch with friends, something like that, right? Very kind of a very cosmopolitan modern lifestyle how we design a very gender-fluid design philosophy in a sense that we want to give the freedom back to the customer to decide how they want to sort of resonate with the clothes. Because sometimes we, we put it in labels like men's wear, women, women's, women's wear sometimes, you sort of ostracize a whole gender in itself who may resonate with the pair of shorts that you have or, the, the, for example, this Nuragi jacket that I'm wearing. Yeah, so that's my point. Beautiful. And Frankie? Hi, my name's Frankie and I'm the founder and creative director of Frankitas and Bungalow 18 by Frankitas. Frankitas is a brand I started 10 years ago, sort of like an odd to my Indonesian heritage and my roots, which is really preserving craftsmanship as well as working with traditional textiles in remote villages in Indonesia. So that's when I first started. And 10 years after that, uh, here we are today, we work with weavers from all over Asia, including Central Asia, so no longer just Indonesia. And so I design and produce and make handbags and accessories from only traditional textiles because of the craftsmanship and the preservation of heritage. 
Bungalow 18 by Frankitas is a brand I created during COVID. That was a bit of a crazy time for all of us, but um, who wanted to buy a handbag during COVID? Nobody did. But what I had in mind was I was envisioning a space for humans, especially for women to connect again, human to human, because I knew that COVID was going to end at some point. And I think the trauma from COVID just is not great. And I wanted to create a special, safe, warm space for women. So we created a fitness, a lifestyle boutique for shopping. We created a fitness space, which is outdoors. And we created an outdoor cafe, alfresco, as well as workshops and events. So in the hope that COVID will end and people will gather again and come to the space. And here we are now. And um, just to let you all know, Frankie's space that she's talking about is in KL in a beautiful black and white house. And I went up to KL to meet with entrepreneurs and they said, you must go to Bungalow 18. And it is a must visit space and it is a very special space. So maybe we could start there. Sam, how important is a physical component to a community? Like, I'd love to get your thoughts on this first. Can you have the real connection digitally or what's your view? So my background before becoming an expat was actually in community development and I ran 35 community spaces. So everything from art galleries to performance theatres, we had community halls. And so I'm very much bedded into space as being a place that we come to connect but I do think COVID changed that and I think our willingness to interact and show up online has changed. Mm-hmm. Do we love it? Maybe not. I think there's still that tactileness that humans like to be face-to-face. Yeah, I don't know. I think it also depends on the person. Yeah. There are some people who are really into, you know, meeting up and there are other people who like to sit back and just kind of check in every now and again. I do think magic happens in person though. Mm. And so this is why these events are great because, I mean, yesterday I had two incredible conversations that will be game-changing for my business next year that wouldn't have happened online because you just don't have that relationship building stuff online as much. But then I've also had full friendships develop over WhatsApp groups or mm. Instagram DMs and mm. where we've upgraded to WhatsApp. Like, yeah, it's, it's I think both. Both. Mm. Lena, tell me about how community plays a role in your business. Uh, community is a very big part of my brand. Actually, like I didn't mention just now, we actually started right before COVID happened. I think COVID was still called the Wuhan virus then when I started. So it was really challenging because it was hard to connect. I didn't know how to navigate that, that world where everything just went online or whether even go online. And I think in some ways, it's also a blessing in disguise, even though the world locked down and I was kind of stressed about it, but I think it was also a blessing in disguise because it allowed me to slow down a bit, but it also brought the communities all online. So in fact, instead of gathering at physical spaces, they started to all gather on through Zoom, you know, and through like social media as well. And that's where I just got really close to my community because we're all stuck in one Zoom chat room and we're like doing things like online trivia quizzes. We had like, there's one night, remember, we had like even speed dating. I don't know, I just decided to just join in, you know. And they'll put us in these breakout rooms. I don't know if you're familiar with Zoom and like breakout rooms. And they'll just throw us three people in one room just to chat. 
And I'm just like, I'm so bored, right? So I just do it. And there'll be like, you know, support groups as well because, you know, COVID was a very mentally challenging period as well. So it was all through these little groups, interest groups that like I sort of got really into my community. And a big part of my community is the LGBTQIA plus group. And I don't know, it's just they somehow rallied around my brand when I started to share about my life, what I'm doing. The community just kind of just, gravitated to my brand and they just felt like they wanted to support people like me because we as a kid as well we know our struggles as well you know we're not very mainstream but we also struggle with the idea of visibility and representation and I think that was also how we sort of built on each other you know it sort of gave us a uh, representation that validated our humanity and I think it's very important I think when you have a community you validate each other's humanity we see ourselves in each other and I think that really helps. I think people just want a sense of belonging. And I think that's, that was something that really helped grow my brand quite a bit. So when COVID ended and we were allowed to go back to events and everything, that was also when we started to have like, you know, the Pink Dot Rally and everything. And that's when I also had my, my pop-ups and they, they were just fantastic. Mm -hmm. So huge shout out to them for really supporting my brand and continuing to support my brand all the way. Yeah. That's really cool. And I, I really lean into the LGBTQ plus community in Singapore because I feel more than anywhere else, they really do need support here. So it's really lovely to hear that you feel that. Exactly, exactly. I think because not many people know, because we're not really well represented in the media, especially in local media. And so people always have certain notions of what our community is like. They think that, oh, maybe I would like, you know, negative connotations like, oh, they're promiscuous. Well, but I think that's, we are all humans at the end of the day and we're all trying to contribute to this world. And I think it's true people like, people like my business, my brand and me, that we show that we all have a dream. We all are like you, you know, and we want to share our world with you. And I think that's where we also try to like support each other in that way. Yeah. I love that. Frankie, tell me, how did you find your community? Well, my community uh, are basically predominantly women. I grew up in a village in West Java called Bogor. And, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. I was a product of that quote where the village raised me. I know it doesn't look like I, I came from a village, but I really did. And we were very, very poor. But what happens in a village is that you are really raised by everybody in there. And you become a part of this community. And it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what you sound like. You are who you are and you become a part of a family. So, you know, I'm 44 years old now and I have three children. I've developed two businesses and I've always inculcated that ethos from, you know, growing up nine years in that village is to always, always find your people and to always be honest with who you are and what you like, you know, and you will attract the people that you are. Frankitas, we make handbags for women. And so we work with weavers all over Asia who are predominantly women. And so we support them and we support their families. We go into the villages and then we did a project a few years ago where we tried to build irrigation system for their family because drought was around the corner. And then we also try to build schools and, and churches in these remote villages. But also, I think because of the way I was raised, I was also very, very passionate and very clear in my communication 
with my brand, who I am and where I come from and what we stand for. And that because of the clarity, I attracted women that felt the same way, women that were they were really, really warm and they wanted the basic stuff that I wanted. And so we got a lot of support from them. And, you know, with Bungalow 18, women started coming to our physical space as well after COVID. And we created that warm, safe space where they can be themselves. And when you develop a a community, whoever those communities are, you also learn it's not that they benefit from the community that you build, but you are benefiting from them as well. You know, they're teaching you stuff that you don't know and they become your friends and your family. So a lot of my customers have become very, very, very good friends. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. And you know, you had me tearing up with the, the village analogy. And I feel like today we are a lot more disconnected and I think we have to be more intentional with building communities and participating in communities because when we were in villages and tribes, you know, it came very naturally. But now even just because of technology and smartphones and distractions and traffic and the lifestyle we have, it, it's a lot harder to find your tribe and participate in community. Sam, I want to ask you, what makes a good community member? There was a book written by a woman, and I wish I could remember her name, but the whole preface of the book is reciprocity. And it really means about making sure that there's this circular movement in life. It's about giving and getting back. It's not, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. It's showing up with a level of gratitude and generosity because you really believe that the world is an abundant place and we should all be thriving. When you find people like that, they are your best community members because you get to show up fully, you get to support them, you get to be their advocate and their champion, and they do the same for you. And so it creates this beautiful little network of people who you know that they've got your back, even though it's not, you don't have to do anything for them, they're just there. So I think that's cultivating those relationships is is key for me. And that's really about being super generous, super kind, being thoughtful, intentional about how we interact with people, offering ideas and suggestions in a way that boosts them and not wanting anything back from it. So that's really core, I think, for me. I love that. And I think you're absolutely right about the abundance mindset. And I feel like sometimes people come into a community with a more um, transactional mindset and you can feel it. You're like, whoa, (laughs) hang on, (laughs) that's not the way we roll. Like we're not here for the direct reciprocation. We're here for if you grow, I grow. And what do they say? I love this expression, a rising tide floats all boats. I truly, you know, it's like catch the tide together. Don't worry about the who's done what for whom. Yeah, because it comes anyway. And so I'm massive on collaborations. One of my friends who's a brand owner couldn't be here because her stock didn't arrive in time. But she did have one thing. And I said, I'll turn your one thing into a candle and we'll make it the coolest Christmas candle in Singapore this year. And they've sold all of them. And so she didn't have to be here. She still has a presence here. She's still getting her brand out there. And we've just created an awesome product. Do I make any money off it? No. (laughs) But it doesn't matter 
because it's not really about that. It's just about doing something fun together. I love that. Leonard, what about you? How do you foster community around your brand? I think just like building on what Sam said, like it's really building meaningful connections, authentic uh, connections that's important. And for me, it's always being very involved in the community. I think people can sense when it's very transactional, it comes very superficial. And so for me, it's always been like, you know, in the month of June in Singapore, I know we are familiar, it's Pride Month and it's uh, the Pink Month. And we have a lot of multiple activities. We have a festival actually, you know, there's one particular one that's called Pasa Pink. It happens in the early part of June. And basically it's all these like, you know, very, all these allies and all allied brands, they all come together. And we just form a community together as brands, as vendors. They may not be LGBT, but they also may be allies with the, uh, with the community and everything. But through that kind of community ship, we kind of like, we share ideas. We even collaborate as well. You know, like we, we do talks together. Like for example, like in fact, through, through Pride Month this year, someone then approached my group and they said like, you know, next year we're going to do like a inclusive fashion show at uh, Design Orchard. We would like your brand to come on board. Shall we do something together? And yeah, I'm doing it. I'm just like, yeah, I'm on board. Let me know what I need to like offer and everything, right? And I think that's how you journey together, you know. I think it's all about supporting each other in the most authentic way and the most meaningful way as well. I love that. Frankie, I'd love to know what's the biggest impact you've seen in your business from the community you've fostered? Loyalty. I think once you are intentional and you're genuine with your intentional and you make it clear of your ethos, whether they're personal and business ethos, minor, generally the same. My personal ethos becomes my work ethos. And again, when you are very clear with those things in your communication, you are going to attract people who feel the same way. And by you meeting them in person, I'm not a tech person. I'm a traditionalist. I'm terrible with technology. I'm just hopeless. I'm a very one-to-one person. And that's why I created a physical space for people to reconnect again because I believe humans need to be with one another physically. And so when I created that space, I wanted everybody to be at that space outdoors. We get our hands dirty, the sun is out. And, you know, when we do our fitness workout, we're barefoot. We don't wear socks. We don't wear shoes. We're on the mat. We're on the grass and we get really, really dirty. So I wanted to create a space where we go back to the basics. And I really was very adamant that people needed that after COVID. I needed that. I really needed that. And selfishly, and my friends and my family needed that. My customers needed that. So I created that space. And I think because of the different activities that we do, we believe in engagement. And that's why we created the cafe, the boutique, the fitness, the workshops. We have workshops on menopause, perimenopause. Again, selfishly, I'm going through that. And so I'm crying every five minutes. I'm surprised I haven't cried today. And a lot of my customers are going through the same things. And so I'm very, very honest about everything that goes through everything that I feel and everything, every physical, mental of my being. I'm very honest about it. I'm not ashamed to say it. And I'm not ashamed to say I just feel crazy. You know, I have brain fogs. I forget all the time. And there are women that resonate with that because they think, oh my God, I think I'm going through what you're going through. And so we hold workshops 
just for women that are going through perimenopause and menopause. I kind of debunk the myth that it's a taboo topic and just keep it real. And because of those things that we do, they feel a sense of belonging. And once people feel belong, then they're not going to think that you are just a vendor and a brand owner. They, they become your friend and they become your family. And so that you have that loyalty. So you're no longer actually selling your products anymore. You're no longer selling your brand. It's not about that anymore. It's really about being human. And you call in connection, right? As soon as you're honest and yeah, I love that. Sam, if you're a new entrepreneur, how do you find your community? You say yes. You just say yes to everything. Well, you don't say yes to everything. You say yes to everything that feels good. But when someone says to you, oh, maybe we should do this, you go, yeah, okay. And then you figure it out afterwards. I think I started, my, my brand is so embedded in community. I started it for community. We have a range of neighborhood candles and every single one of those scents was created with a woman who lives in that neighborhood or that community as an expression of what it's like to live in that place. And so my brand is built off now 12 women and their stories and their journeys. And so I think involving people in the development of your product, involving people in the expansion of your ranges, building out stories that support other people's stories is absolutely like it's so much fun to do, but it also has this really deep roots that support the business to grow. I love that. And I wholeheartedly agree. Like say yes to everything and then you can figure it out later. And you can always go back and say yes, but maybe later or maybe not right now. But it's interesting. Some people do come in with a no, I'm going to do this. And they're not open to the ideas that can come from outside your your head. Do we have any questions from the audience? Yeah. Uh, hi, guys. I'm Sean. So actually right now I'm wearing three different hats. So one of the hats is a professional in the finance industries, mainly for the trading solutions. And, and another hat is I'm more into the, uh, the whiskey businesses, management, import, export, and some of the rare spirits uh, collectors. Another one is uh, I also uh, build communities within the financial world. So that is my background. So actually my question for uh, all three of the panelists is, what is your top three action? plan you use to grow your community? Gold star. That's an excellent question. I can start. Number one, find communities, common unity, right? So you need to find the commonalities for people, get behind a cause. And so I'm a massive supporter of Daughters of Tomorrow, have been for a while, have just found somebody else to get on board. We've created a product just for them, donating the proceeds to them a great way to build community because now Daughters of Tomorrow's community are like, yay, thank you for that. So now they're part of my community. So I think find a support that you're authentically committed to and really believe in and get behind it. Other people who are behind it will also join forces with you. I think for me, like, I would say, you know, first and foremost, identify what resonates with you the most, you know, find what you love because a lot of our building community is, is tied to your identity as well. It's all basic extensions of you, you know, where you find a sense of belonging to which community. So, like, 
to me, my brand, it's not just, oh, it's this Aflo brand. There is, it's not just LGBT. It's not, it's clothes. It's not meant for just one community. There is the wellness aspect that's built into it. Because I look at my lifestyle, for example, I go to the gym, I go to yoga very regularly. So I want clothes that, and with, through my, my going to the gym and the yoga, my yoga studio, I built community there. I talk to the, the people there. They see how I do my asana. They're like, how do you do it? And that's how I build community. And then also like your life experience as well. So I, I did find like when I was growing up, I used to do a lot. In the, I delved a lot in the arts. I was in dance. I was in music. And so my community also involves dancers. It involves artists as well. So when it comes to my booth, I mean, yesterday, for example, one girl came to my booth and she saw my one of my T-shirts. It was a kind of a raw neckline, oversized T-shirt. And she said, are you a dancer? And I was like, what? How did she know? It's like, well, you have a raw neckline here. And I was like, I was like yeah, I'm a dancer. It's like, see, dancers we know. You know, the dancers we know. So they, they are all resonating with you. What I would say my top approach is first, know who you are. Learn who you are. And then through that, you know how to find your communities. Even the most innocuous thing, like me being Singaporean as well. Singaporean is a community as well. And when you go overseas, when you start to promote your brand overseas, your Singaporeans will all rally around you. And you feel a sense of home. You know, like, we are single. I was living in Japan because part of my close was built, was actually inspired by life living in Japan. I lived in Japan for a few years. And I remember whenever I would go to Tokyo, I always, in fact, my hear, I would hear Singlish. I'm like, Singaporean? I know. And then it's just, then they're like, you Singaporean too? That community that we're built around. And I think that's how you sort of start from there. You know, and then going into the events, the festivals, see where they're hanging out, you know, and then get yourself, your brand, your business involved in that. Engage with them authentically, have conversations with them, and you find a lot of connecting points. And that's when you feel that sense of belonging. I think the three main things, again, I go back to the same thing, is your ethos. What is that? Your personal and your work ethos. What does it stand for? And again, if you're genuine and you're sincere about it, you're walking the talk of your ethos. It's going to come very, very clear to the consumers. It's going to come really from a genuine, sincere place, one. Secondly, synergies and collaboration, as you were talking about. Synergies and collaborations are the way to go right now. In my industry, retail has just gone down. It's a really hard place to be in. So you can no longer be running your business and marketing and branding your business the same way as you used to. People are becoming more discerning. People are asking a lot more questions about who you are and what you do and what your brand stands for. They want more transparency. And I think that's important. Going back to collaboration and synergies, I think is the way to go. You can no longer see it as a competition, but you can see it as a working together and sharing a very similar database or a different database that you can tap on. You know, both of you are tapping on into each other's database. I think if you come from a good space and you're clear and you don't reverse that, I want to collaborate genuinely. I love what you do, so I'm going to approach you. Let's do something together. And you are going to see a great impact. It's really, really, in my business, it's working very, very well at the moment. Certainly in mine too. I mean, I've done six collaborations this year and every single one of them has entirely sold out. Well done. Woohoo! I think the one last piece of input that I have is creating experiences for your consumers, creating event and experiences, again, that tap into their passion and their ethos. Who are my customers? What do they like? What do they stand for? 
And I think if you pick on those things and you create an event or experiences that don't necessarily go back to your product, but something else so that you're tapping into getting to know them, that's helped a lot. Yeah, those are the three things. Gold stars for the panelists. Good answers. Any other questions from the crowd? Yeah. I would like to know your advice as people who more introvert rather than extrovert. I feel like building the community, having the conversation with people, required a lot of talking and putting you out there. You're my people. I'm an introvert to the nth degree. I like to hang out in my studio making stuff. That's my gig. And so, I mean, all of the collaborations that I've done this year, they've been really gentle conversations. They've been a, I really like what you do. I like what you do. Let's do something together. Yeah, okay. So it hasn't had to be big. And then you take pretty pictures and you put it on social and you just let it, the idea itself do all the talking. And so I'm not big out at all. I mean, this is like a deal for me. I'm much more behind the scenes. In fact, I've got my child running my store upstairs because I'm more comfortable being behind. I think it's still totally possible. You don't have to be an extrovert to have conversations. You just have to feel confident. Any other questions? Hi, good afternoon, everyone. I'm coming from a very different background because I'm focusing more on the online communities. And my question is about before getting into starting to build a community, what do you recommend for people? So I am wearing multiple hats, and one of them is working for an Ivy League school in the U.S. in digital marketing. That is a very corporate job. And I'm building my dream of being a funnel strategist and helping small business owners to automate their business and work as little as possible behind a computer. So I'm in love with the idea of building a community and I am an ambivert, which is in between an introvert and an extrovert. But I can do the extrovert, but then I need two days in a dark room. So, right? <laughs> so, so I'm every day putting in a lot of energy into this business and I hope to launch it uh, next year and staying online. But I'm always a little bit, okay, how to do the community part? And I know I have to do it. And I want to know every detail before I get into it so that I can do as little as possible with the biggest impact I can. If you watch people who have built quite successful communities online, most of them start with providing value. And so... Find what your niche is. What do people really want to know? And how can you help share information that provides value to them? Because then they become quite loyal because they want to know what you have to say. I mean, if anyone's been on Instagram, you can see how many people have created communities around how to get better at Instagram. And so if you offer people some insight and some knowledge and bring in other people who are really good at what they want to do, I think that's a really good way to start building that sense of community, giving back, waiting for it to kind of reciprocate back to you. Building on that as well is identify your niche, like all your little communities. You'll find yourself very multifaceted in, in every way. Like I said, my life is just not just my brand. You know, I am also a business owner. That's where Launchpad comes in. You know, I am also part of the LGBT community and they, they come in. And then I'm also used to be a dancer. Then that comes in. You know, I used to live in Japan and then the Japanese expat community here rally around my brand as well because they see it. So it's just 
these tiny things, just find out what are these little facets of your business or your personality and you will connect with the communities and see where they hang out, see what they're doing, you know, and then get yourself involved in them, share ideas, I said, bring value to them as well. Like, you know, let's say your forte is digital marketing, then it's like a, a free masterclass on like, you know, what is digital marketing about? You know, they will see that value add as well. And then they see that it's a kind of a kind of a cycle, right? A, a kind of a, a virtuous cycle where you beat them value they will give you back value as well. I do think you can hijack the process though by becoming active in other people's communities and then they get to know you and they become automatically active in yours. So if you're on Instagram or if you want to build in an online space, go find other people and start commenting, start liking, start participating in their content because it will. they will start doing the same. Or you can just reach out and say, help, I need help on various, various people, individuals that you have respect for and that you've been following, organizations, individuals, communities, just say, introduce yourself. Because I know it's very difficult. I think humans are generally uh, find it difficult to ask for help because we don't want to intrude, especially introverts. We don't want to intrude and we don't want people to think that, you know, we're asking for something but I think you'll be very, very surprised on what people say and how they respond to you. There are a lot of people that have good intentions that want to help, especially if you come across and your intention comes across very, very genuine and very, very sincere. So just ask for help, write to them, call them and message them or meet with them for a cup of coffee. Just ask for help. Really good advice. Goodness, guys, I didn't realize it was going to be this powerful, to be honest. But I think asking for help is a really simple first step. I think participating in other communities, it's kind of obvious, but actually people think I must build my own community. But actually, it's much easier just participate really well in an existing community. And then the next step is build your own community. And Launchpad is perfect for that because if you participate in Launchpad, people automatically get to know you and your brand and then they will start participating with you. It's like you've automatically built a tribe of people without having to do the work necessarily. And just to add on to that, the most powerful connection piece of Launchpad is actually the Wednesday mentoring session because people get online and they share their deepest, darkest secrets and they ask for help. And some people cry on the call and everyone's just like, what do you need? We're here for you. But you know, it's that that asking for help and everyone remembers you because you have so authentically shared what you're struggling with and everyone rallies. Like those calls are magic, but everyone remembers you and connects with you and thinks about you and tries everything they can because they want to give because they know that's how community works. So they're very, very powerful. More questions, please. Hi. So my name is Maggie. Full disclosure, I'm a member of Lunchpad. My question is everything everyone said here resonates with me. And um, what if you're not good at asking for help? How do you get over that? When you're in a village and raised in a village, especially an Indonesian village where you have nothing, you think, and when you come out of that village and, you know, I left Indonesia when I was nine and Bahasa Indonesia and Bahasa Sunda was my first, second language. And I didn't know how to speak English when I came to live to Singapore and it was foreign and it was scary. And I think when you come from that village and until today, I have inferior complex. I sometimes feel that I don't deserve to have whatever I have or the help that 
I deserve to have because I came from such a small place. And when you come from that small place, it's very difficult to get out of that mentality that you are deserving, you know, because I keep saying, well, who am I? Who am I? I'm, I'm nobody. You know, I'm 44 years old and I still think like that sometimes. The good news is you have humility. However, I think at some point you do need to kind of stand up for yourself and say, you know, I do need help and I am deserving of help. And there are people who want to help. I know it's difficult to ask for that help. And I am a big culprit. I say it out loud and I tell you, ask for help. And it's hard for me. But I understand that if I'm an entrepreneur, I just need to cut that cord and get out of my mental state, this inferiority complex and this small village girl. Now I just have to think I am deserving of help. You know, everybody around me used to help me in the village and we all helped one another. So why is it it's so difficult for me to ask for help in a bigger city, in a global platform? It's the same principle. Do you have children? So actually, your story resonates most with me because I also grew up in a village. And as a 13-year-old, I moved to the U.S. I didn't speak English. And I come from a family of nine kids. So there was a point where there were 13 people living in one house. And uh, I'm also 44. And at the point... <laughs> And I have a lot of reflections in my life. So I think, no, I don't have children. <laughs> That's another story. And um, yeah, I think I'm at that point where I'm looking for that community and I'm realizing that I'm very much disconnected from how I was raised or where I come from. I would love to chat with you after this and I would love to connect with you after this, whether it's by phone or WhatsApp or Instagram, because I do resonate with you like, you know, my, my mother was the eldest of 14 children and she started working when she was 15 and she was fending for her family. Yeah, I started working when I was 13. So, <laughs> I mean, you do what you have to. But I think what I want to say about Launchpad and I meant to send a message is actually there was a point a couple of weeks ago that, and I wasn't sure what I, how I felt and everything. And it was one of my low points in the past few months. And a couple Launchpad members, actually one of them, ended up coming to my house, bringing me flowers and sitting with me for two hours. But can I just ask, did you ask for that? No, I didn't want her to come, actually, because I didn't, it was one, she just knew it. Exactly. She was co-working at Funan. It's like, where do you live? I said, I don't want to be inconvenienced for you. And she said, she left me a message, she's like, I'm coming over. And I was like, okay, so I guess I have to give you my address. <laughs> I think if when you show up, if you create a culture within your tribe of people where you show up for them, they show up for you without you asking for it. So I've got a whole tribe of people up there. People flew in from Australia to help me. I didn't ask anyone to do anything. I just got a message of, I've booked a flight because you can't do it alone. <laughs> But I show up for them all the time in all the different ways. So you just build that really nice sense of generously, in full spirit, doing as much as you can for everyone else, and they just do it for you too. And then you don't have to ask for help. To add on to that, you know, this is actually why at Launchpad we have not networking nights, we have ask parties. So the idea is, is that it is hard to ask, but we ask you to come with an ask to the ask parties. 
the other thing I'd add is come to the Wednesday calls, watch everyone else ask. Then you'll feel like you're in a safe space where it's actually everyone asks, right? So I definitely think lots of people come to those calls and just listen and kind of learn a lot from being a fly on other people's walls of their business. But you can just get that courage by surrounding yourself in a community where it's okay to ask. Lots of good questions. I'm going to have to wrap up because these guys need to go and sell some stuff at their stalls. So please thank these amazing panellists. You guys all get a gold star. Thank you. It was so, it was such a wonderful topic and you guys are all so deeply invested in creating great communities. So I, I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you found this episode helpful or enlightening or engaging or educational, I would just love, love, love for you to leave a review, give us a rating or share it on your socials and tag us. We'd love to know you're listening and that you're getting value. Finally, if you're interested to learn more about Launchpad and join a community of conscious entrepreneurs that are purpose-led and super supportive, come and check us out. You can go to www.launchpad.com thelaunchpad.group. Thanks again for tuning in to Good Business. My name's Chris Edwards, and I hope that you're as inspired as I am to start or grow your own good business.